Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We are back as a threesome after a nice international break. And there's only one place to start. It is Old Trafford, the theatre of dreams. Definitely for Brighton, Stan. <laughs> Talk us through this one. Um, it was a day for Brighton. I thought they were uh, they were excellent. So um, we'll, we'll start off there. They had uh, many a player missing. Uh, Evan Ferguson... Uh, Purvis is two Pinantu, two players that have been big for them so far this season. They had Billy Gilmore on the bench. They made a few changes themselves. Steele was back in for Verbruggen. Um and obviously as we know now they ended up winning three one. Uh, Pascal Gross getting his seventh goal in eleven against United. I think the I think the the next team he scored the most against is Chelsea with three or something. I saw like that. So he loves loves playing United. Uh, Brighton have won the last four in the league um, against United as well. Um, so. They've definitely got our number. Uh, the last time we lost at Old Trafford in the league was Brighton, surprisingly enough, and it, uh, they stopped our thirty-something game unbeaten run at Old Trafford, which, like I've said before on the podcast, was huge for us in terms of getting that top four. In terms of how bad our away form was, so it's important that United shake it off. But I thought they were brilliant. I mean, from Brighton's point of view, uh, I'm sure Deserbi will be happy with all three goals because of the types of goals you work on. on. The uh, the changing, uh, the changing room, and then he said the training ground. Um, <laughs> Can work on them in changing room. Yeah, changing room. We, it we, works. It you, works. You get the ball wide, and you pull that, pull the ball in, in towards the penalty spot, and somebody's there, and somebody was there. Somebody was there three times uh, with Danny Welbeck opening the scoring after um, Brighton were under the cosh. United, uh, from what I understand, were much the better side for the first twenty-five minutes till Brighton uh, scored against the run of play, but. Danny Well went with his own postcode in, in, in our own penalty box. I'm sure that guy enjoyed that goal. Uh, United going trailing at half time uh, after having Rasmus Hoyland's goal uh, disallowed for the ball just going over the line, uh, but it, it definitely did. So, on another day, I think if United go in 1 1 there, maybe a change of, of momentum, but Brighton come out and uh, with a better side again and, and scored one of the easiest goals they'll score all season with 30 passes and, and United players jogging at them. Uh, before Pascal Gross, like I said before, uh, does a great finish after dummying past uh, Lissandro Martinez and hitting it uh, again from the similar position of the penalty spot uh, into the left hand bottom corner. Uh, and then United were chasing the game. João Pedro does exactly the same near the penalty spot into the right hand top corner. Uh, Onana, I think, should have done better with that one, but um, you know, if United three times within half an hour period, uh, like Brighton or any Premier League teams, have shot at the penalty spot. Um, they're going to do well and, and you know Brighton fully deserved the win so they've only lost once so far this season uh, that was against West Ham who you know have been excellent it wasn't really a, a, a random result for West Ham they're, they're up there in fifth I believe 10 points from 15 so yeah just starting off with Brighton I thought you know they were excellent and like you say they've got United's number so it was always going to be a tough game but yeah, United, I mean, it's a lot of what we've said so far with the Arsenal and Spurs games. Again, after the Arsenal and Spurs games, I said, look, United lost pretty much every big away game last season. It's important that we keep the home form going and uh, we've we won two of our three home games and we've, we've lost that one. So the vibes aren't great at the moment, but, you know, United, again, Aaron wan is now out for two months after being ill uh, he, he was ill so he didn't start against Brighton he ended up coming on for the last 20 minutes or so and tweaked a hamstring so now he's out for two months so it feels like one of those positions for United where it rains it pours obviously we've got Anthony suspended Mason Mount played two games and missed the next Raphael Varane Luke Shaw's uh, leg break has come back to haunt him after getting some pins taken out he's had to have some time off Amrabat's come in and was injured Hoyland came in and was injured um, so it's not looking great. I mean, there's probably four or five players there out of that list that start in United's best eleven. But I don't think that can be to used totally as an excuse when you know it's 52 minutes into the game and United are running round with such a lack of intensity and such a poor body language. Like you're four 0 down with a minute left and you're jogging after players. Um, you know, it's it's not good enough, and and you can't use those injuries as an excuse as much as you know they haven't hindered United, and maybe you can use them. As a mitigating factor, along with the fixtures that we've had with Brighton, Spurs, Arsenal, it's still not enough for performance-wise. You can lose three of those games, you can lose to Brighton, Spurs and Arsenal, but the games we've won haven't been good enough and the way in which we've lost some of those games, particularly Spurs and Brighton, I think Arsenal on another day we nick it late on, but Spurs and Brighton, those two losses, I mean, collapsed second half against Spurs and, and 
pretty much collapsed after 25 minutes against uh, Brighton as well. So lucky it didn't finish 4 1 with, with, you know, Anzu Fatty definitely should have scored uh, coming off the bench there. So, yeah, same all for United. Uh, they need to sort it quickly. Like I say, not the toughest, uh, not the easiest start. Just uh, Bayern Munich away next on Wednesday. Um, but then, you know, it, it's vital from a United point of view. We've got a favourable run of, I think, seven or eight fixtures. Um, Copenhagen, Galatasaray at home, and then a host of, of bottom half Premier League sides before we play City in the derby at the end of October. So it's important that United get a, a run going. Uh, and if they don't, then it's it's going to turn nasty pretty quick, I think. Yeah, definitely. And Jim Stan's obviously mentioned uh, some of the frailties at United there and the brilliance of Brighton. But where would you like to take it, Jim? What would you like to talk about? Um, maybe the way teams can play against Brighton. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to suggest that United should change the way they're playing, but you kind of look at the last three Brighton games, especially the um, loss to West Ham and then the good wins against Newcastle United outside of the international break. Maybe the old way of how United used to soak up pressure and be really quick on the counter-attack and they've got a team that can do it as in personnel-wise. Hoyland and Rashford are rapid, on not they? Um, whether they'd have been better just sitting back and carrying them that way. Um, they might have got more joy out of the game on Saturday. But at the same time, it's a way running because they're not going to change the playing style so diff- so much just for one game. Um, but I think both Newcastle and United have tried to press high in like situations, but it's not been intense enough for Bryson, has it? I mean, if yeah. you're going to commit like nine players in the, the, the box, you've got to be really clever about it. And you've got to be they were really fit for one, which I'm not suggesting they're not fit, but some of the clips that I've seen them match the day before, they was kind of jogging, like you said, mm. Stan, for the for the third goal. Um, yeah, you've got to be really clever where you're pressing, because Brian commit a lot of men, so sometimes it's easier to just let them do that and get them on the break. Yeah, <laughs> it's body language and intensity for me that's the biggest. Look, you can have injuries, like I said, Brighton had injuries um, as well, uh, but their intensity and body language never drops. I think, I think the problem with United is... We see our heads drop when it goes wrong, and, and recently, especially particularly maybe since the, the League Cup final, uh, where you know leading up to that we we went on a really good run and obviously won it, uh, good league run, and, and we won the cup final. Sorry, should I say? After that, I mean the the Liverpool seven nil followed that, where it was one nil at half time, which I think people forget. Second half, they had Liverpool had seven shots on target and scored six of them. Um, we've had collapses at, at the Etihad where we were four nil down at half time. Uh, twice we've gone to the Emirates and gone 1-0 up and conceded pretty much straight away so th- there's, there's mentality issues at United I think like, like I said the, the Talksport commentator I can't think who it was um, was was singing United's praises obviously on Twitter a lot of United fans were saying we've been brilliant here we're all over Brighton we just need a goal to show for it and then the next uh, they go, there's a goal at Old Trafford and Brighton score and after that United apart, apart from the disallowed goal and I think Rashford hit the crossbar for the remaining 60 minutes of the game, United didn't do do anything. I know Mebry got the goal, which is good for him, young lad. Very fi- good fi- Finally coming on. Good goal, and you know, he had his celebration and whatever. But, you know, Brighton had won the game by then, so we can't take too much out of that. They, they pretty much let him have a dig from 20 yards, which doesn't happen if it's 0-0. Uh, so you can afford that when you're 3-0 up. But um, it's, it's the body language that worries me um, more than anything. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we go to Bayern midweek, who... We'll talk about later, but aren't a prime Bayern Munich side that we've seen, and it really wouldn't surprise me to see United have a good performance, but maybe go one nil down to a Kane first shot and then lose three nil, because it just seems like we're so fragile at the moment. I don't really know what the issue is. Is it personnel? Is it the fact that the people that are missing, Varane, Luke Shaw, uh, these types of players, you know, they are leaders. They've been at United and big clubs for a long time. I don't really know what the problem is. I'm not I, sure. I wonder if United you believe. Do in what Tanag set him out to do in terms of tactically. I don't know if he knows what he's doing yet. And I mean, to be fair, he's got a, he's had a tough job on it in terms of what's happened off the pitch for United this season, like already five games in and so much has gone wrong off mm. the pitch. But I know all the results are not on the pitch and you can't exactly go blaming that, but he had to change it up massively, didn't he? Brighton, he played Diamond, he played Hoyland and Rashford from, together for the first time up front. Yeah. Um, yeah, McTominay and a diamond, and then he's he's played different people through front nine, front threes. He's played Sancho as a false nine, who's out of the team at the minute. At the end of the day, he has got three players who probably probably six months ago he thought were going to be in his front three, 
and now because of off the field issues, just not there anymore. So yeah, it, I think it it, 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 is, it is tough, um, but he's got to sort it out because, like you say, yeah. with Brian rotating, they they know what they're doing, they believe yeah. in what they're doing. It doesn't matter if Lana comes in for. Um, and CISO he's got a big injury doesn't mm. work well but plays for the Ferguson they know what they're doing don't they yeah. I mean, the consistency I mean, plug and play yeah. yeah I mean just last thing on United I agree but I think the problem is is that we're five games into the season and Ten Hag has had to change his tactics because of personnel mm. I mean you look at some of the players that are playing I mean Regulon we've, we have, we've had to sign an emergency left back five games because two of our left backs are injured no Rafael Varane already Aaron Wambasaka sick before the game, so he's had to play Dallow. He's bought in Amrabat and Mount, neither of them started. He's had to play Ericsson, who he didn't want to have to start in game week five. He's played Scott McTominay, who he was happy to sell. And then he's had to play a 4-4-2 diamond, which I don't think I've seen United play under Ten Hag. And like I say, Anthony, you know, another thing. But I think if I think if he had the likes of Anthony, who he signed, Mount, Amrabat, his signings, and then... Pretty much three of our back fours injured in in Wambasaka, Varane, and Luke Shaw. I think if you take three to three uh, of the best any team's best back four out, they're going to struggle. And I think you've got to set up in a different way if that happens to anybody. Uh, I just think it's unfortunate that we played Arsenal, Spurs, and Brighton in games where he's had to tweak tactics and try something new. I think if we had an easier start, like like I say, the two easiest games we've had is Wolves and Forest, and we've scraped over the line. I think if we had another maybe two games like that, two opponents like that, we might have two more wins where he's just scraped it, but you can't you can't be half on it against Arsenal, Spurs and Brighton because you'll lose and that's why we have. So We need players back, end of, but uh, again, that's not the full excuse because Brighton were missing players and they were excellent. So We need players back and, and we need to learn whatever Tenag wants to do this season uh, and quickly. Yeah, well, speaking of learning quickly, Jim, we'll move over to North London, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They left it very late to beat Sheffield United 2-1. Like we said, they were 10-1 pre-match, Sheffield United. And I genuinely thought they were going to hang on. And then I saw the added time and I thought, nope. They're, they're <laughs> definitely not winning. They might draw it. But, Jim, yeah, they ran out 2-1 winners in the end. Yeah. Late goals from Richarlison. And then Kulisevsky, who's a great player. So, yeah, what do you reckon about that one? Spurs just keep re- keep winning, really. Yeah, it was the um, the old Richarlison redemption story, wasn't it? He's been struggling all season. He struggled for Brazil massively. Is Came back, didn't he, with mental issues. Said he was going to speak to like a psychiatrist or something and get his head straight. And do you know what? It's, it's, a, it's working. I don't, I'm not saying like I'm a massive Richardson fan, but it was nice to see, wasn't it? After what, obviously he's been through some struggles himself mentally to like come back and come off the bench and get a goal and assist as well because he set up Kulisevsky for the winner. Um, Sonny was the captain now. Was basically like put him in front of the fans and he said like this was all Richardson. So yeah, good to see and. Spurs just keep on going. I mean, we said, didn't we, Sam, that um, when you look at the, I think it was like 88th minute or something, and it was like 1-0, and it's like, oh, this is where Spurs, like, obviously, before the international break, have been playing amazing football, then out of nowhere you get this result, and it kind of derails the the, the season for them. Usually, yeah. as done in the past three or four seasons, since Poch, anyway. But no, they come back and get a winner. Um, Sheffield United manager wasn't too happy, was he, with no. The reffing situation there, he made some stern comments, which... Paul Heckingbottom, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think we'll see some fans coming in for him. He'll get in trouble for it, but he's spot on. I yeah, mean, it needed to be said. And to yeah. be fair, I know a lot of people will go, oh, he's saying that because he lost. I mean, he said a few times in his interview, I was saying it at 1-0. We were 1-0 up, and I kept saying to the fourth official, Wes Fodderingham, he can't play the ball because we want to play out as a team and they're pressing us, so he's got to find a different option which might take a bit longer. Yeah. And then obviously that was happening at 1-1 and 2-1 and, and the rest pretty much went, we'll play differently then. We'll, yeah, we don't they said we'll play longer. Go long then. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go long. We, no. play, we train it, we play you know, training all week, this certain style. Yeah. Just because Spurs have marked our players, yeah. we don't hoof it, we, we yeah. wait and we wait for a free man. But... They got the analysis as well to time it at the end. They said, how long was it from when he puts the ball down to when he kicks it on average? And he said the average is 10 seconds. Yeah, so it's not it's not the worst. I think it was the McBurney red card one at the end, yeah. possibly for basically asking the ref something. Um, he said he I, didn't I think, swear, did he? He said something. No, like, I think he had. He asked, and a player pulled him back or something. Um, somebody pulled somebody back, or there was a bad foul. And he just asked about it, and he got a second yellow. Well, he <laughs> he got sent off, and I mean, that's just, he's he's right, and I know we've joked about the orange card, but he was saying there was a bad tackle which VR he was going somebody on somebody VR looked at it for a possible red, and they stuck with the yellow. Could have been a red because VIR checked it. Mm-hmm. And then Ollie McBurney going, I, IRF, can I talk to you? Is a, the same punishment as a possible red card. So he's saying, how is him trying to speak to the ref 
and a, and a VAR check that went for a red card the same punishment. And we've joked about our orange, but I honestly think that it's a possible solution. But, I mean, maybe the possible solution is just allowing players to say to the ref. I mean, I saw one at the weekend where uh, Tarkovsky, Zinchenko was going mental for a handball, which was outside the box anyway. Yeah. But Tarkovsky went over to the ref and he, might, he went, you could see your mouth, can I ask you a question? And the ref went, no. And he just walked off. Yeah. So we like, ended up with worse refs, and we're given more power every single season. More power and less. <laughs> more with great power comes um, less accountability. Maybe, oh, maybe, very nice. May, 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 maybe the title that of the pod. That was not man. That, maybe, can, that can be Mike Dean. May, well, there you go. Maybe the title of the pod. What I did enjoy Mike about Dean Mike Dean is oh. me, 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 Jim, and Jay were watching the results in in uh, a local pub, uh, and with no sound. With no sound. <laughs> so maybe so often it just randomly went to Mike Dean. And he like smiled and laughed, and then it went off him. So it was quite nice just to see him every so often without knowing what was going on. <laughs> he dropped on, hasn't he? Uh, he dropped yeah. on with the great dog. But yeah, no, I mean, Eckingbottom's right, he'll get fined for it. But I mean, some of the yellow cards this season, I mean, how can a possible red, like maybe somebody going in late, stamping down on an ankle, yeah. we'll check for a red, no, it's a yellow, there's not enough, be the same as a football player going, fucking hell, ref, he pulled my shirt, oh, that's a yellow as well. Yeah, it, it is it, mad. It doesn't make sense, but like Jim said, it was a Spurs result up until the ninetieth minute. Yeah, and it was a very, it was very unspursy for them to score two goals in extra time. It, it, and it's important that they did that as well because, again, United obviously dropped points, but yeah. Chelsea dropped points, um, and now European football started, which we're going to talk about. Which they Spurs got, aren't so. involved in that. Yeah. So even if it is, so I know some people are going, oh yeah, all this because the celebrations at the end were mad, weren't they? I mean, the the noise and the the, the, the mm. fans in the state in the stadium. People go, oh yeah, Sheffield United, oh me doing this. And it's like, but well, Postecoglou was banging on. Sheffield United away, so it's it's a massive win at the end at the end of the day. Because well, Post, he was asked, wasn't he? He was saying, what do you think? Like people are laughing at you know you doing all that, like pushing Richarlison to the crowd and all jumping and that together. And he's like, and there's shouts from Spurs fans that you'll win the league this season. And he's like, do you want to temper the, the you know, the the clamour for the for this title charge? He's like, no, that's what being a fan's for. He's basically going, let me and the players worry about your expectations. We'll try and live up to them, yeah. which is great. That's exactly what should be I happening. Think, I think he's got every single like, whenever he's asked a question, he gets he's it just right got it all every single time. On, yeah. I mean, he just seems like a great person. Uh, obviously, a great coach. I mean, I think he's. We said last time he was 50 games unbeaten at home through his last three clubs at Celtic and at, um, Spurs. Yokohama or someone, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And obviously, you got him, he gets the manager of the month, Madison gets the player of the month. It's just looking great for Spurs and it sets up a, a North London derby next week, which is yeah. probably going to be the game of the season so far with Arsenal yeah. doing so well as well. I was going to talk to you about that then. So, obviously, North London derby, Arsenal away next, then Liverpool at home. That'll be a massive game for him to. Mm-hmm. to I think we'll really see what they're made of in these, well, yeah. these next four or five games. I, 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 there was that there was that opta thing, and I think Spurs had the second or third easiest in inverted commas run of fixtures. Yeah. Um, so you know, th- there's that obviously then means there's going to be a run of tougher fixtures. So that's coming up. So like you say, they've, they've got, got nice fixtures after that though. They've got still there's... yeah they have to be fair. But the next two, I'm guessing, are the ones where it gets tough. You were Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. You could quite easily get zero points from six out of those two. Palace away uh, is not easy though. You could, but I, I honestly fancy Spurs yeah. to to do something in both them games. Um, well, listen, both the away at Arsenal is going to be tough because Arsenal, Arsenal have really come on, aren't they? Um, mm. And they they getting results in different ways, and I think they've got a bit more about them in terms of players. But again, they've got midweek fixture on this, so they've That's got to get that turnaround. Yeah. Spurs will have the full weeks. Liverpool and, and I know Liverpool are unbeaten in like yeah. fifteen, sixteen, but. You go behind every game, you can't keep doing that. <laughs> they give up so many chances. I mean, you look at the Liverpool back line that played against Wolves and yeah. some of the chances, I think it was, um, what's the last name? Cunha. Up front. Cunha had a massive chance to nip for two now. Um, Spurs are taking them chances the way they're playing yeah. this season. Yeah, they are. And it just shows life after Kane. I think I remember saying it on the pod. My cousins were saying to me, there's no way that it'll work what Ange wants to do. If Kane's still there, obviously he'll get the goals, but his whole thing is pressing from the front. Every man is like an equal. And I don't think you could really do that with Harry Kane because he's bluntly just not an equal. He's a cut above everyone else there at the time. I saw somebody say, I think it was Paul Merson, he was saying if Spurs and Ange brought in Madison because they knew that Kane would go, you probably couldn't pick a better player in terms of picking up that 
almost the exact same pockets that Kane picked up and then the creation that, that James Madison provides. So yeah. And the leadership. I mean, we've seen his leadership. He's vice-captain straight in there. So it was, it was a masterstroke. Really. Well, they've, also, they've become more of a team, haven't they? They've, they've, they've lost a huge part of them when Kane's gone to Bayern and they've all just fought. They could have went one or two ways, couldn't they? It could have went really disastrously bad. They could have replaced him with fodder, which they have in all the times have worked out so far. But they've all kind of gone, no, we're going to prove that we're, we're all class players with or without Kane and they've all just stepped up I mean Son looks as good as he has in the past 18 months to two years um, Madison's took a lot on his shoulders all the players have just seemed to fall they've really got together yeah. I feel when you talk about the, the United mentality the Spurs mentality seems to be on the the opposite spectrum they're playing with freedom aren't they and that's why they're getting the results they're getting and when you look at Arsenal and Liverpool and the two upcoming fixtures back in the day like a year ago two years ago they would have been really high pressure fixtures for Spurs it would have been like oh What's, what's going to happen today? Are they going to get beat 3 or 4 one Is it? Are they going to even have a chance? They're kind of playing... There's no expectation, is there? Mm. They're kind of in a free shot of them two teams who yeah. have been vulnerable in situations already this year. Yeah, definitely. It kind of reminds me when Liverpool sold Coutinho. I don't know if you agree with me. Obviously, they, they spread the money, but you, you kind of thought Liverpool after that, they went and won the Champions League, they went and won the league. They became more of a unit after that, would you say so? Yeah, they did. And I mean, I saw a Liverpool fan tweet, which was a, was, was a fair point. Um, and I don't like saying they make fair points, but they did. And hey, um, it was Broken about clocks right twice. A day. That's very true. They were they were talking about um, Spurs fan, uh, the Spurs players doing all that hey hey to the own yeah. fans and pushing with Charleston and somebody was taking the mick out of it. And a Liverpool fan replied saying, "People were laughing at us doing this, you know, in in games where we came right, West Brom, two 0 down against West Brom. They yeah. did that late on, and everybody was laughing, saying celebrating a draw. But what the Liverpool fan was saying is." It's not about that. It's about creating such a bond between the home fans and, and the team uh, that can literally be the difference between, like we saw Liverpool do after that, winning leagues and Champions Leagues and, and pretty much everything that they were in. So it's about changing a culture, and I think Angie's is doing that after you know a few negative managers, should I say, being as, as polite as I can to Jose Nuno and Antonio. Two winners, um, apart from Nuno. He's changing it. Yeah, that's very true. He's changing the culture there and he's changing the vibes completely. And, uh, you know, Richarlison scoring after his run of games without a goal and then scoring the last, the latest winner in Premier League history. Yeah. Two great things for Spurs. So, uh, two things we're not used to seeing from them in terms of turning the game around that late when the going gets tough. No, definitely. And maybe it's a bit of a mentality shift, but we'll, we'll see what they're like come Christmas. I think that'll be a time where we can judge Spurs fairly. And they're very much in the honeymoon phase with Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time to go. Yeah, long time to go for a load of different teams. So definitely we'll a long see. time to go. But speaking of a long time, it looks like, Stan, it's going to be a long old season for Everton. And they lost 1-0 at Arsenal. Oh, sorry, they lost 1-0 at Goodison to Arsenal. Yeah, perhaps a long time coming as well. I mean... Yeah. Has it been, what, three seasons now where they've pretty much stayed up on the last day or game before? And we've seen that with loads of teams before. I mean, Wigan strikes out to me. They pretty much stayed up for two, three seasons in a row on the last day. Yeah. And then ultimately you go down, you can't control it. Um, Southampton were playing on uh, playing on the edge and, and ended up finishing bottom last season. So we, we see it with teams. And I think the biggest issue for Everton is, even in recent seasons, they've always had a Calvert-Lewin who might get you yeah. 20 goals. Uh, when he was injured, Richarlison was still in there. They had James Rodriguez. They've always had that one player where you can go, if he's on it, we can beat Arsenal at home. I look at that Everton side. Have they got any redeeming features or positives at all? I mean, I like Beto, but he's he's not close to what Calvert-Lewin was when he got 20 league goals or whatever it was at the other season. Um, and then you're looking at uh, Garner Gay, who just doesn't look on it. You're looking at Dwight McNeil and... Uh, Dan Juma to create your chances. I mean, Dwight McNeil's limited player, you know, decent, good, honest player that Sean Dykes will like. And Dan Juma played a grand total of about six minutes whilst on loan for the second half of the season at Spurs. So there's a reason why that happened. But I just look at them and I don't see any redeeming features. I think every Everton side, despite the hard workers and maybe limited players, like I say, they've always had one or two that can win you any game for you. Uh, and they just don't have that now. Uh, I don't see where any goals are coming from. They haven't seen a goal. They haven't scored a goal at Goodison in three games this season. Lost every single game. 1-0. Uh, Wolves, Fulham and now Arsenal. They should have won so, that Wolves game as well. Yeah, I mean, there was arguments they should have won the Fulham game. I think, was there a, oh, penalty? Yeah, yeah. There was a, was there a penalty in that in that one that they pretty much should have had? Uh, was pretty objective that it was one that they didn't get and Fulham and Wolves both scored late. So, Arsenal scored late in this one as well. Um, 
But yeah, it's just really, really not looking good for them. But it's yeah. looking good for Arsenal, old Jim. Yeah, very good. I mean, Pep's top positive say, I need to look the mentality and they, they've carried on where they've left on from last season. They're going to challenge for a title. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Arsenal this season, they're doing it with so many different players. And I mean, Arteta's been pretty ruthless, isn't he? I mean, he dropped Havertz. We've, we said a few weeks ago that we wouldn't be surprised if Vieira steps in for Havertz in the starting lineup just because he looks better than him off the bench. He made a big call starting Raya. Um, I'm not sure what that situation's about, but the fact that he's like... Still playing on Katia with Jesus fit as well. Yeah, he's making these huge calls, but he's getting the results, so his players can't really bemoan him too much at this, at this moment. I mean, there's the risk that once... It's, well, if he does start going bad, he's got all these players on the bench that he's dropped randomly, but he seems randomly from the outside looking in that he's going to have issues any with the players, but to keep getting wins, they can't really say anything, can they? Um, Gabriel's come back into the lineup. This is probably the strongest squad in it, Arsenal have had in... I don't know how many. Is it the strongest squad in the Premier League in terms of in terms of numbers? Personally, yeah, I don't see it could be a strong yeah. squad, but I mean, if you look at City's bench, sometimes it's two keepers, a lot of academy products. It could uh, be. They've got so many options. Job. Like at nil nil at one all, at nil at Everton. Sorry, they've got so many options off the bench. I don't know if a team, maybe if they're a fully fit Liverpool, they've got a lot of attacking options as well. Mm. Has got as many as Arsenal. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a real strength for him. I, mean, look, I don't like him, but if if three of your attacking subs off the bench are Trossard, Jesus, and Havertz, you're not doing too badly, are you, as no, a unit? Not so at all. I think the squad's definitely improved, and I think I think a lot of people doubted them that could they carry on and, and go back and, and try and win a title. I mean, we've seen teams finish second to City before, and then the next season they're back fighting top four. So um, you know we we've seen it before, but they're right up there. Uh, be interesting. Cook mentioned it before. Can they deal with those Champions League games? Because right now, if I mean hypercritical of Arsenal, they're still playing one game a week, just like they were all last season, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I think what caught up with Arsenal last season was, and this is this is a credit to him as well. The mentality was so good. They had so many late winners, didn't they? It was almost like remember when Liverpool won the league as well. They did it well. Actually, the first time when Liverpool got like ninety-seven points, but City won it. It's just seemed like they got a late winner after a late winner. They got a, yeah. a Rigi one at Newcastle. They had one at Burnley. They had, it just happened so many times. But City's games were always the day after. But City's games were over at half time. So you were freeing them up and it's done. There was no like. He wasn't putting the insane pressure on them. No. And Arsenal did that, I thought, last season. Um, they would go 2 2 0 down or they'd, they'd lose a lead. They'd leave it really late on. They'd bring on. Um, it was it Reese Nelson got a really late winner, didn't he, against um, Brentford? Think Bournemouth, yeah, like Bournemouth. I think it was Bournemouth. Yeah. Just stuff like that, and not only they've done it this season, but the games have always been close. Yeah. Everyone's been in the games. Even the biggest winner has been the United one. I mean, that was we could have won that on another day. Time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I do think they've got a favourable Champions League draw, so it won't be too bad just yet. Mm. But at the same time, when you look at City, I know they went one down the weekend. This is either against it, say when you think about it. City, Liverpool, and Arsenal are probably the two that the league will look to as potential title challenges and I always speak about Tottenham but we don't want to get carried away of ourselves the both sides that are, that are in games for like 80-90 minutes whereas City can have a game done by 45 minutes mm. and I just think that takes a toll on them mentally so yeah. I think if you are to be hyper hypercritical it's against Everton as bad as they are they, they should be doing it more than 1-0 it yeah. shouldn't just take that's what I think it's unbelievable by the way oh yeah but on another day that doesn't happen and they draw nil nil. So I know it's, this is a huge high press cooking did happen. Do you know what I mean? They did win. But yeah, I just think that pressure sometimes can catch up with you. Definitely and feel free to jump in off this point, any of you, but I'd say both teams of old, so the Everton of old, hold out and grind out a nil nil in this game and take a point maybe and get a late winner and bully Arsenal. And then again, Arsenal of old, they don't win this game and they've grinded one out. Well, they've not won there since Wenger, have they? Yeah. It's crazy. Last 10 visits to Merseyside, was 17, it? 17-18 season, last time they including won Including Everton. Everton, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think no, the, including Liverpool, sorry? I think at least the Everton of old, if it's nil-nil up until, what was it, like the 80th minute, let's say, it something quite, like that. It was quite late. 70-something, maybe. They at least have a period of sustained pressure at some point. 
and the crowd get on you and you hear, yeah, Everton, because they've won three. Because they've won the because they've won three corners in a row or something. There was never ever anything like that yeah. ever. Loads really. of people left early. We'll just speak about they've that. They've given up, they've given up. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Everton as well. Is I think it's pathetic when you think of old Everton team. But you can't blame for giving up. It's there's nothing to cheer for. Like that's nothing to. Yeah, but that's the whole point in being a fan. It's like a marriage. It's like a marriage. You've got to feed up the players. It works both ways, and the it, team's it not does, giving them anything. It does, but they've just sold. They've just sold the club, so they should be happy about that. I know it's going into questionable hands with questionable funds. There's not much chat for the Everton fans. Yeah, but only Everton would would change ownership with ages to go until the transfer window. They've got the stadium to come as exactly, well. and they've still got to pay for that. It's, it's one big mess. But I think, and we can we can end on this before we get into the the betting side of it. I think Everton will stay up purely because there are three worst teams. In the Prem, I don't think there are. Oh, and I and well, I really okay. Like pick up from there, quick. We'll we'll talk about that, there quick. Who who do you think is bad enough? I'm, do you know what? I, I, yeah, but I've watched the first five games. I don't think they're convincingly as bad as Sheffield. They're not. They're not as. They're not much better than Sheffield and Luton. It's not. It's not convincing. And at least, at least Wolves have players like Neto that can like Wolves win you a game on a random day. Wolves yeah, play yeah, football. Yeah. Burnley play Co- football. Bournemouth play football. Cunha missed a sitter, but he was in the Champions League twelve months ago. Everton have got players that were in the championship twelve months ago. So yeah, it's, it's, final words. On Everton is yeah. that when I used to watch when when you watch Dice teams as well, and all Everton teams have stayed up, they've actually looked good defensively. They've stayed in games nil nil and maybe kept it nil nil one nil. One nil. But it's always been because that you think, oh, they've defended well today. They look like they're hanging on from minute one in yeah, every yeah. single game. And they've always had that threat, Everton. Yeah. They've always had a, a, a Richarlison, a Calvert Lewin, a James Rodriguez, or you know, all, even going further back than that, they've always had a threat, and they've, they've got no threats at all. No, and it would seem that they've also lost the twelfth man. There you go, the ref, the ref, <laughs> Mike Dean. <laughs> they've lost into Sky. Hello and welcome back, and we're going to do a couple of bets of the week this week. We've got a Champions League one, and if you didn't know it was starting, it is. And here are our, we've picked one team to win each, and this is our beautiful winning treble. Almost guaranteed, uh, if not totally guaranteed. We've got PSG to beat Borussia Dortmund. We've got Inter Milan to win away at Real Sociedad. And we've got Feyenoord to beat Celtic, and that's coming in. About at around five, six to one, depending on which uh, betting app you're using. Uh, we don't recommend any because none of us are paying us. Uh, so we'll go for that three. I'll repeat it again: PSG, Inter Milan, and Feyenoord all to win. Treble coming in at five to six to one. And Cork, what can they do with that? Ooh, I, I like that. This is reverse roll. Oh, I like it. Uno reverse. They can shove it up the racket. <laughs> wow, that felt weird. You like that? Not really. And thanks for tagging me in then, Stan. We are moving over to the bet of the week. So, starting off, we're going to head over to Sellers Park. Palace versus Fulham. We're going to go both teams to score in that one. Wolves next are going to win away at Luton. Man City are going to beat Forest at home to nil. And then, last but not least, Everton versus Brentford. I've gone for a Brentford win in this one. So, just to recap the bet of the week. Palace, Fulham, both teams to score. Wolves to win away at Luton, Man City to win to nil at home to Nottingham Forest, and Brentford to beat Everton. And Jim, what Hi. can the listeners do with that? They can shove it at the Rackers. Ah, oh, that's weird. Welcome back to a new segment on the pod. It doesn't actually have a name, but I'm going to go with him versus him at the moment. Nice. So uh, I know that's not very creative, but we will stick with it for for now. It's the working title for the segment. But basically, I'm going to give two options of two players, some still playing, some retired, and it's who's had a better career in your reasoning. So we're going to start off. Jim, we'll start with you. Wow, okay. Neymar versus Kaka. Well, who's had the better career? Who's had the better career in your in your words in about 15, 20 seconds? Um, do like Haka, but I'll choose Neymar, Neymar, um, because he has won the freaking lot of the other than the the World Cup that's eluded him. But you know what? Always had great World Cup appearances, and I think that if you look at them both, a lot will say Haka just because of I think there's that old bias in there where you look at old players and think oh he's class, but Neymar underappreciated. Um, showboater, love him. Stan? 
It's tough, isn't it? Um, That's why I asked the Kaka win the. I think Kaka won the World Cup, didn't he? Was he not in the 2002 squad? I think, yeah, he, I think he, so. he could argue he has, has a World Cup to his name, Jim. Yeah, but you're, you're thinking about it. That means he's irrelevant. Kaka. Okay. Uh, World Cup and Ballon d'Or. So oh, there, there you go. go. Okay, right, moving on. Stan, we'll start this one with you. Sergio Busquets versus Casimiro. Mm. <laughs> Busquets. Busquets? Yeah. Quick, quick why? Just a better player. Oh, I love that. Jim? Yeah, easy. Miles better. What do you like about Busquets, quick? Oh, I like when he does that thing where he looks like he's going to go one way and then passes the other way. Yeah. Would you say he's one of the best players with no pace ever? Yeah, him Didn't and Perma Saka. Exactly. So, oh, <laughs> and yeah. Busquets. Oh, I mean, Casemiro's well, unbelievable. But Busquets is arguably the best defensive midfielder of all time. Ooh, very nice. Jim, Harry Kane versus Robert Lewandowski. Ooh, this is probably English bias, isn't it? But um, I don't know the ins and outs of Lewandowski's goal-scoring records, but I'm going to go Harry Kane, as he is the, the Spurs and the England goal-scoring Leader, it does does um, more internationally as well. Stan? Yeah, it's good arguments, but I think in terms of career, it's got to be Lewandowski. I think at the end of the day, Lewandowski scored a footload of goals as well. Didn't he beat Gerd Muller's Bundesliga record in one season? I think so. And pr- would have a Ballon d'Or if he didn't cancel it for COVID. So very good point. I would like to just go back to my preface that I didn't know any good Lewandowski's goals going All right, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, he did say that, actually. He's also won... Bundesliga's Champions Leagues uh, did it at Dortmund did it at Bayern Munich he's doing it at Barca mm-hmm. probably Poland's top goal scorer not that I've checked but probably yeah probably um, um, and yeah I, I think I think yeah I think he would I think well no he would have a Ballon d'Or if they didn't cancel yeah. for Covid because there was no that was bullshit he, by the way wasn't that the nah, could have done it on Zoom no did <laughs> didn't the trophies oh, well yeah because yeah, I think that season he broke the Gerd Muller's Bundesliga record and won the Champions League in the Bundesliga. So. Yeah, right. I had Harry Kane in a I love Harry Kane as yeah. well. Right, okay, quickly moving on. Stan, Mark Salonzo versus Andrew Robertson. <laughs> Fuck off, Cole. They've both won the same. <laughs> uh, Andy Robertson. And that takes a lot for me to say it because I'd hate him, but for me, uh, there's no competition. I think Andy Robertson's a better player. Uh, he's won everything. What about Mark Salonzo <laughs> winning a European Championships? Is that not Mark, Mark, look, Mark Alonso was a, a decent player, but I think he just happened to be in units that were. Got a La Liga as well? How many has Robo got? Well, none. Uh, <laughs> hey, could you answer the that. questions? Uh, hey, I'm just giving some facts. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Andy Robertson. I think he's played in a better league for longer. Okay. Part of a better team, and nobody's ever challenged him for left back. I think that says a lot. They've never looked at replacing him, and he's won everything on it. So, despite his fucking well annoying eyes when the ref gives him a booking. But, yeah. Better than Marcus Alonso. Jim, I don't want to influence your answer on this one, but Bolton legend Marcus Alonso. <laughs> oh, uh, Marcus Alonso. <laughs> no, go on, Jim. Who would you, who uh, would you take? Takes a mean free kick, Marcus Alonso. But, yeah, it, it pains me to pick a player like Robertson because I really don't like the fella. But a more key role in his team's success than Alonso, I would argue. <gasps> God. Sorry. Don't let Conte hear that. Listen, those wing-backs are important. Don't let Conte hear that. Robertson... Robertson and Trent maybe just as if not more important to Liverpool right and then last last two players Jim yeah. I'm going to finish off with you David Villa versus oh. Thomas Muller oh <laughs> well, that is a tasty one isn't it it is oh Thomas Muller because the biggest stage is the World Cup and he bloody owned it for a few years didn't listen, he listen David Villa oh yeah David's brilliant here comes Stan that's why we got, that's, no. that's why we did the guy and have a go on Stan you, you've tagged in early. It's only with Jim saying World Cup. I know Muller was great and the, obviously they won one, but David Villa was great and Spain won one as well. So, Ooh. It's very close, but ah, it's fucking tight, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Thomas Muller's got a position named after him. He does. That's he does, but That's David, David Villa... Arguably, NYCFC? David wow. Villa was a starter in arguably the greatest club side of all time. What, so. NYCFC? Yeah, that, yeah, one, no, with Valen- that, Valen- no, that one with Perlo. No, that one with Perlo. Valencia, Valencia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, David, yeah, David Villa just edges that for me, like I say, because he has the World Cups with Muller, but I think he was a better player individually and he played for a better team and featured heavily. I think, don't think they would have been as good without him. So, unbelievable player. Unbelievable, Jeff. Right, listeners, welcome back. We obviously got the Champions League 
Uh, cue the music, although some st- some say on this podcast, Stan, that the Europa League music is better. Um, oh, no, it, it, is, it, it definitely is. is. It is. Oh, Thursday nights, wow. Europa nights. I just wanted to get them going. I just wanted to get them going. The better adverts as well. Anyway, you want. Sorry, yeah. You don't need to keep plugging the Europa, you're in the Champions League. No, it is better, though. Anyway, we're going to talk about um, the English groups, as in the ones that have English teams in them. There's the four of them. The ones that, yeah, the ones that matter. <laughs> um, and I'll just start off very quickly by talking about Man City's group, which is very interesting. I mean, there's two previous Champions League winners in there. Not a lot of people say that. People are saying it's an easy group, but you've got Red Star Belgrade and the current holders. So, <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? How many, how many Champions League winners are in other groups? How many Champions League winners in that Real Madrid group? I believe only one. So, yeah. Um... Mm, yeah, I yeah, one. You are right there. I too. digress. Although that's, they play one like six times as many. Combined. <laughs> 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 yeah. okay. We are much on the road <laughs> Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that this is a really easy group. That unless you're really interested in who's going to finish second out of Young Boys, Red Star, and Leipzig, you're probably watching the other games. And I mean, it's one of them. Whereas a safe fan, I've got to watch City, but yeah. I'm probably going to be keeping my eye on the group of death, which is on the same day. Which yeah. is really we'll have annoying. the laptop on the group of death. Yeah, you know maybe. what I mean? Go, go, go show. Go um, honestly, not much in it. I don't really, don't, really don't know what to say to you. I mean, I'd be surprised if City don't have 18 points. I mean, yeah. the only reason they might not do is that they come to the last two games and they decide to play a kind Full of rotation. Because they're, they're trying to win Premier League games. Probably not wrong. Yeah, they're pretty dominant in the in-group yeah. stages. So it doesn't depend on... They've had harder groups and they've still been dominant, so this one should be a lot Who do you think joins them then? Who do you want them to? Um, probably Leipzig. Based on that, I know they have one player the that I've heard of. The and I, don't yeah. like, I couldn't name one player in the other teams. Yeah. Um, Leipzig came to City last year, the year before. The Nkunku game? Yeah, pretty good game. Give us a game. So, I don't know, they've lost a lot of players since Radio. then. Well, it'd be nice to see Werner. He will. And this, is Javi Simons, he plays for them. Oh, he does, he's, yes. he's lighting up the Bundesliga, so yeah. Other than that, not much interest in it. I'm sorry, I'll pass it over to yeah, more Stan interesting is, groups. Is it, is, it, is it fair to say stand there, man, in your one and twos? I think they've got to be, yeah. I mean, barring, you know, I don't know, Leipzig having man injuries or just completely falling off, they've got to finish two. Yeah. It's got to be the one and two sorted there, and then you know it's between uh, Red Star and Young Boys who gets that Europa spot, that whoa, whoa spot. Hey, um, how many goals is um is the record in a Champions League campaign? Ooh. I wonder if Erling Haaland's looking at that group. Champions League. Text the fat bastard. Yeah, I'll text the fat bastard later, and I wonder if Erling Haaland, despite his many a miss on the weekend, will be thinking, oh. Oh, do you mean? Oh, you mean individual? Like like campaign, yeah. team in a group. I think no, did, just just like didn't Ronaldo get like sixteen or something? Whatever. Group E is um, Feyenoord, Atletico, Lazio, and Celtic. Um, Celtic. Oh, Celtic and it's quite a, it's quite a hipster group. Celtic that. and Lazio will be a feisty affair between the fans. Yeah, hipster slash fascist group. You might imagine. No comment. Yeah. Celtic are alright. It's um, Rangers you need to worry about. Sorry. Yeah, Atletico are struggling this year, but they're the obvious ones that you choose from that. I mean, weird predictions are going to come out. For some reason, I put Lazio number one, and then I've you seen, can change the, now, seen if you the league table, and they are 15th, I believe. Nah, f- we never change, Cook, never change. I'll tell you what'll be tasty. Tell that to stand before. I'll tell you what'll be tasty, Feyenoord, Lazio, because Feyenoord have got some tasty fans as well, so... Uh, the Rotterdam Ultras. So maybe don't look at the pitch, maybe just look at the stands look and the see what's going on. Uh, yeah, I, I've gone Feyenoord to talk. I think Letty struggling this season. Uh, and didn't they get knocked out in the group? The other seat was it last season or the year before? Yeah. Uh, they ended up going out in the group, I think. So, um, yeah, Feyenoord to top it. I do think Letty will get through second just because I don't think Lazio and Celtic are going to offer much. Any chance for your Scottish brothers, Cook? None at all. Okay, moving on. <laughs> group C. Quickly, yeah, quickly on them. I think they'll be rock bottom. And again, I'm with you, Stan. Feyenoord to top it. A team that I think uh, won the league last they, season. They've got a lot of promise, good, promising young manager, and Atleti, like you said, they've been there, done that. They they'll get through no matter what, right? Stan Manchester United Group A would take us through there. Yes, so um, Bayern Munich, United, Copenhagen, Galatasaray, two Champions League winners in there as well, Jim. Um, obviously, the famous nineteen ninety nine final in there as well. Uh, Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Between, yeah, it was a great good game. game. Yeah, look, United, they've got to be looking at that second place. I think Bayern, like Jim says about City, Bayern are the masters of the 15-point uh, group stage and then the sixth game you play whoever the foot you want and go through top anyway. So um, I think Bayern will 
almost clean sweep every single game, unless you know that, like I say, that six game they rest and maybe draw or lose. But is it good for United to that they got buying away first? I think so. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, I, I d- when it happened, I thought fucking hell, like like I was talking about before about United, we need a bit of time to get players back and settle. But buying it out of the way first. Just let it bleed. Yeah. No Tuchel on the sideline. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, but, he got um, sent off in the last game of Bayern's Champions League run. No, did he? So, so he's not there. It? But I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. I was what reading it before. But I don't know if that's a blessing in disguise for Bayern. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> we we watched Bayern uh, by Leverkusen and, and it didn't look like a prime Bayern, although Leverkusen are a lot better a team at the moment than United are. So mm. don't know how much you can take out of that. But like I say, I think Bayern will finish top. United need to be pushing for second or else... I'll be getting uh, voice notes of the Europa League theme tune thrown at me in game week three. And I don't really want that. So <laughs> You do um, like it. I do kind of though. I think the interesting do. one in this group is, I, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know we're talking about the English angle of United. <laughs> I, do. I, do. <laughs> I do. Sorry, Jim. What I will say is, it, <laughs> pisses me off. it pisses me off at the time. But then when we go into a second competition where we're the favourites to win it, it is quite a nice feeling. Yeah, it's anyway, like going on the ship pitch yeah. in school. Yeah, yeah. What I was saying... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What I was saying is... We've the interesting team from this group is obviously Bayern, just because they brought in Kane and they failed to win the Champions League for a few years. Based on that, they play so much good football. But again, you've seen the the, the leg against City in the quarterfinal, whatever it was, um, played some good football, just no goals. But Kane can add that, can't he? So yeah, we'll see what they're about in Europe. And and your predictions, Jim? Yeah, Bayern and then United and then someone else. Garth has to ride for the bet third. Ooh. I like that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up, and and I don't I don't know why I think this maybe is pure hatred for this decision. Uh, I'm gonna go for Bayern to top it, Galatasaray to finish second, and United <laughs> to finish in the oh oh. Would love. Yeah, me too. But again, I don't know if that's just pure hatred. Anyway, Group C. Do you want to take us through Group C? Yeah, Jim. So Group C. Quickly, I'm gonna go for Real Madrid to top Group C, and then I'm gonna go for Napoli to finish second in this one. A bit of a a slow start in comparison to them for last year in Serie A, but I think that they'll prioritise the Champions League this year as well, and they've kept Sossi, man. So, yeah. Who else is in that group, Cook? It is Braga and Union Berlin. Oh, the Onions. I think we're all supporting the Onions this year. First time that's the way the Bundesliga crumbles mm-hmm. team. I've heard it till I fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> Not playing at the home stadium, I've heard. Um, but they have, released, they have released a lovely Champions League kit. Yeah, yeah, black you, and gold. You don't, yeah. you don't win games by wearing kits. Just ask for next year. Just ask for next year. At least have a nice time. But yeah. I've gone for Real Madrid, and obviously Isaac Union at second to get through. I know they're not playing at home, which I didn't know until I'd already chosen to finish second. But they'll do it anyway. Oh, uh, overhead. Napoli, you know the, the Reds are still in that Scudetto win from last season. They're embarrassing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Aussie man, Aussie man. <laughs> oh, Jim. So hopefully, for this team, the the well, hopefully for me, this team don't get out of the groups. But it is Group B, Arsenal's group. They're in it yeah. with Sevilla, PSV yeah. Eindhoven, and Lons. But oh. quickly, I think it'll be Arsenal yeah. followed by Sergio Ramos's Sevilla. But I think they'll elude the Europa this year. Oh, they're just they're they're addicted to it. So I have gone to Sevilla to finish second, but it won't surprise you, would it? Yeah, this they is like the year for him where they go from PSB weed second, to crack. Maybe. In terms That's where of... I've gone for Jim. Yeah, Arsenal I'm change. I'm going to say stands right. I'm Ars- wrong. Arsenal, PSV, and then Sevilla to go into the Europa League because they're just it's like a magnet. They are magnetized Where's or whatever it is. Who's put one in that group? Uh, United, Sevilla. PSV. No, it's fine over in the league. Could have been Sevilla. Sevilla, Europa League winners. Lons, pot for... Oh, yeah. And he fucking drops on their arse. Of course. Hot balls, hot balls. Hot anyway, balls. Group D. Have you get that chat? Bumfica. Yup. And Inter. Inter United. Inter Milan. <laughs> and uh, Pe- Pepper and Salzburg. Real so, so bad. This one. Oh, very nice. <laughs> this one, won't be watching a minute of this one. Um, for the listeners <laughs> Inter Milan no yeah, we will we've got Inter on our bet Jim I'll be watching oh, that yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be Inter, all over Inter that Inter Milan are going to top this one on a great Five. result um, against um, AC not, not Milan 5-1 stuffing Milan um, yeah Inter are going to top that one in terms of who's going to come on next I'm just going to go with um, Real Sausagead because David Silva used to play there and they've got a wow. nice little badge <laughs> they've got a nice little badge See, I've gone for Anything ben- could happen though. I've gone for Benfica. It's wide open to me. Yeah, I've gone for Benfica to top that group uh, and then Inter to finish second. Who do you think you are? 
uh, and then I can't remember what I did for the rest. But Salzburg maybe third because they always seem to be floating about in European competitions. So they'll go to the uh, Thursday night uh, Europa nights. Mm, very nice. And to conclude Group D, I've gone for Inter to top it and Benfica to finish runner up. They're always in the they're always in the knockouts or something. Yeah, yeah. And Di Maria's back oh. there, the nineteenth oh. best it? player in the hundred list. Seventeen. Seventeen. Sorry, I do apologize. Seventeenth best player in the hundred best players of all time. I do. Well, apologize. Maybe do us happy then if you got a player that good. I'm Jesus looking at Christ. that group and thinking, oh, I hope City gets second, whoever it is. <laughs> Basically, it is a testament to how bad it is. Right. Moving on. Group F. Yes. Newcastle's group with AC Milan, Ta- Dortmund, this is a tasty one. and Paris. Jim, take us, ta- take us where you need to go. One. I think that Dortmund will finish last. I think the poo. I think Milan will finish third because they're not oh, poo, whoa. but Newcastle are better and this is the, the strength of the Premier League despite Milan being one of the better sides in Italy mm. um, and then PSG will top it so tonight's get tomorrow's game so I'm going to head myself between <laughs> Milan and Newcastle at San Siro is tasty mm. Stab? Uh, yeah Dortmund to finish bottom again I think they might have lost too many players like Haaland Sancho Bellingham have gone from the last few years when maybe they've had decent runs in the Champions League uh, I think Newcastle will finish third and win the Europa League which I've said from the start of the season and then I think Paris will top it with mm. Milan finishing second I think that San Siro heritage will just see them through mm. and I'm to conclude I'm going to go Dortmund to finish bottom so a nice clean sweep for them <laughs> in that one I'm going to go for Milan to finish third I'm going to go for Newcastle to finish second and Paris to top Group F and last but not least well actually ah, pretty least, least this is, is least. quite a shit group actually Barca aside it's yeah. Barcelona Porto Shakhtar Donetsk and Royal Antwerp. Two more Champions League winners. They've, they've, they've shot, shared them out quite nicely there, Barcelona and Porto. Hot balls. Hot balls. For me, I think <laughs> Barca, Porto, Antwerp, Shakhtar. I think Shakhtar probably, well, they won't be playing any games at home. Uh, and I think that, that was a massive advantage when they were in the heyday with Dario Cerner and the like, having to go out to Ukraine and uh, then making it a cauldron for you. They're not going to have that. So they're going to be playing in, is it Poland, I think? So. It is. Yeah, uh, I think they'll end up finishing bottom. Antwerp as well. There's always a team that maybe you haven't really heard of that end up doing decently well, and I think for them, getting into the Europa League uh, would be great for them. Definitely, and something else that would be great for you is to follow us on our socials when you're not listening to the pod. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do by using the handle The Cookie Podcast. We are available on TikTok as well. Just follow us by using the handle The Cookie Podcast. We're available on Twitter as well. You are using the handle Cookie Pod Net. So it's been episode 196 of the podcast, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you then.